Hi, my name is Scott Hodge. I'm president of the Tax Foundation. Welcome to The Deduction, a podcast from the Tax Foundation. This is your guide to the complex world of tax and economics. And today we're going to look at a new type of tax, digital services tax, or DSTs, as they say in the in the jargon. And we're going to tackle what are DSTs, digital services taxes? What's driving policymakers from Annapolis to Paris to consider them? Uh, and what are the economic consequences of DSTs? And if you're saying, uh, what why should I care about digital services taxes? Well, then you probably never ordered a rideshare online or used a social media platform, streamed a TV show on your phone, or even checked your bank account on your phone. All of these things could be affected by digital services taxes. And to help us understand these taxes, I'm joined by my colleague, Daniel Bunn, uh, Vice President of Global Tax Projects here at the Tax Foundation. Welcome, Daniel. Happy to be here, Scott. First time caller, long time listener. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, well, Daniel, you've probably had a, your fill of uh, DSTs or digital services taxes. You've done an enormous amount of work on it over the last year. Uh, you and your team wrote a book on it last summer. I don't know how many blogs that you've written about digital services taxes and even submitted comments recently to the OECD in Paris about their work on digital services taxes or digital taxes in general. I guess before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, how are your holidays? Um, how's the family? Uh, we're all working remotely, so we never get to see each other. Huh. The holidays were, were pretty good on, on my end. Um, we ended up with uh, a lot of Legos for the kids um, and uh, they've temporarily taken over. Well, we'll see how temporary it is. Uh, the room next to my office uh, as a de- dedicated Lego space. And it, it wasn't just uh, new Legos. Um, I'm lucky to still have a lot of my Legos from my childhood. So I brought out some of those older vintages from the attic and put them together with the kids along with the, the new set. Uh, hopefully any ongoing construction doesn't make a cameo in this uh, recording. <laughs> well, be careful where you step. I uh, My son has grown now, but I almost broke an ankle once stepping on Legos. So it can be a dangerous thing to have those things all over the floor, especially in the middle of the night when you're stumbling around. Well, I have to... Hazardous have for sure. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll have to show your kids. Uh, years ago, David Wessel, who I think uh, uh, was a, a columnist at the Wall Street Journal and may have been with uh, another group, made a uh, video using Legos to show how the tax code can help shrink the income gap between the rich and the poor. Uh, you'll have to show them that. So, hey, we've got, we can we can link taxes to virtually any topic, even toys. Uh, so, uh, well, let's, uh, let's, let's speak into digital services taxes. And I'm sure there is a, another link to, the, to, to Legos on that. Um, let's get to that and really start with basics, which is, and this is kind of a new type of tax. And I think most of our listeners will be familiar with the three basic types of taxes. You've got your income taxes, which are taxes on the money that we earn. Sales taxes, which is you know taxes on the stuff that we buy, and that includes value-added taxes and so forth. Property taxes, uh, which is taxes on the stuff that we earn or own, like a house or a car or what have you. But digital service taxes seem to be a little different, I guess. And and what sets them apart? from the other types of taxes that we're generally used to dealing with. So I'm going to start with a a non-digital kind of example and then bring it into digital. Um, So let's say you have a French winery that exports the majority of its wine to other countries. Like you were talking about with the three different types of taxes, there will be property taxes on the chateau. Uh, The winery workers and owners will owe income taxes on their earnings. Um, where they are earning those those dollars. And there will be sales taxes when consumers, say in the U.S., buy the wine. 
So those three types of taxes follow through. It's pretty simple and straightforward. The income taxes will be paid in France because that's where the wine is made. That's where the property is. So property taxes will be paid there. And that's where the work is being done. But what's happening with digital services taxes is taking kind of a next step. So when the winery sells its wine to customers in the U.S., it might have knowledge about the market in the U.S. It might learn more about what uh, consumers of that wine like, their preferences, which different areas of the U.S. are better to export to, and so on. And countries are looking at digital platforms and saying, you know, that market user data, that information is a new kind of justification for taxes. So countries are looking at large, particularly American digital platforms, social media companies, search engines, and saying it isn't enough that those companies pay business income taxes where their employees are, where their workers are, and and so on. Countries are saying that because those digital businesses rely on user content and user data for their business models, that the businesses should not just pay income taxes where their software programmers and headquarters are, that they should pay taxes in the countries where their users are. It's a Mm -hmm. bit like telling the winery in France that it owes income taxes in the U.S. because the wine is consumed there and the winery gets a benefit Uh, from the market data on U.S. consumption. Now, the challenge here is measuring how valuable that that data is. If, uh, you know, social media clicks or cat videos or what have you are valuable to a a tech company, and I think they are, the question for tax purposes is how do you value that? How do you put a dollar value on that and then say, hey, we're going to, you know, apply a certain tax rate to that? Uh, So countries are taking that kind of thinking and then taking a shortcut and saying, no, we're not going to actually that valuable that consumer data is. We're going to just tax businesses on the revenues that we think they are earning based on their user base in our country. There's there's also a fairness argument. Yeah. Let's explore that one a little bit more because you do hear that a lot. Well, it's not fair. You've got that big company that's based in the U.S. and they're selling books or services in my country. And that's not fair because I've got bricks and mortar businesses here that are paying taxes. And that company that's based in that other country is not paying their fair share. I mean, we kind of hear those kind of things all the time. Yeah, that, that fairness argument is basically saying, you know, we've got retail storefronts, Um, that pay property taxes, income taxes, sales taxes, all in the same jurisdiction. And then there's this tech company that's in a different country um, that is able to provide services over the internet without any local physical presence tax base for the country to tax. Um, And it's basically saying, hey, we're going to try to tax that tech company as if it had the same business model as a local retailer um, or try to do something comparative. Uh, I think that's an important piece here is that it's a very, very different business model if you're selling services over the internet than if you are a bricks and mortar kind of retail or shop uh, in a country. And, you know, regardless of that, countries do see that the digital services tax, you know, is meant to kind of level that playing field. A lot of governments in, in, in particular in Europe are saying, you know, it's not fair that our local businesses have to pay taxes um, while uh, these digital giants um, might not have to pay local taxes. But normal tax rules don't necessarily dictate that they would otherwise. Yeah, that standard of what physical presence right, right. has been with us for 100 plus years. And the digital world doesn't comply with that. I mean, it's not it's changed the rules or changed the dynamics or changed the economics of, of business. And that makes 
that makes this a much more complicated issue. Right. And I think that lack of presence is something that's been on the rise for the economy. It's not just the tech companies. Um, we talk about the value of software, of intangible property, of patents. These things are huge value drivers in the global economy. And it's changed the business model for a lot of companies where they're investing tons in research and development for these assets, these software uh, patents and so on, that you can drive value from kind of anywhere in the, in the world without having as much physical presence as you might have needed to uh, in the past. Well, you know, let, let, let's kind of tease out the economics of this because, you know, you, we're, we're economists here. Uh, and so we're always interested in what economists call the incidence of taxes. Um, there's certainly incidence of taxes for those bricks and mortar firms. And, you know, we're always trying to understand who really bears the burden, the economic burden of taxes. So it's not just who writes the check to the government, but who ultimately bears the burden of that tax. And, you know, generally speaking, economists understand that business taxes are either paid by consumers through higher prices or workers through lower wages or shareholders or owners through lower returns. So let's get into to, to the implications of these DSTs and the economics of it. Who really bears the burden and how should we think about the economics of this new tax form? So I think thinking through the incidents is, is really important. Um, before I, I get to that, I want to make sure that um, we understand kind of the design here. So a digital services tax, it normally has a relatively low rate, 2 or 3%, and it applies to a business's revenues. Uh, normally, um, you're taxing businesses on their net income, which is their revenues minus their costs. Um, but digital services taxes tax gross revenues. They're kind of like tariffs in that respect, um, in addition to the fact that they are generally targeting foreign, foreign businesses because they have relatively high size thresholds and not a lot of very large internet-based companies are based in the countries that have these uh, digital services taxes. So a relatively low rate of 2 or 3% may not sound like a big deal, but because it applies to revenues, it can be a big deal, which causes, like you're talking about, the target of the tax, which might be the big tech companies, to not necessarily be the ones that are bearing the cost, the actual incidents. And it's been pretty clear how some companies have reacted to this tax by passing those tax costs on to their, their consumers. So faced with digital taxes in France, the UK, and Austria, several US tech companies have changed the fees that they charge people and businesses who use their services. Amazon increased fees for sellers on its its marketplace in countries where it will be subject to DSTs, Apple increased fees for app developers, and Google increased costs for advertisers in DST countries. So rather than actually hitting the companies themselves with the tax burden, France, the UK, Austria, and some other countries are actually just raising the cost for businesses that want to sell or advertise their products on these platforms. And it's likely that a lot of these businesses that are seeing these higher fees because these tech companies are targeting the fee increases to the different countries are companies or people in those countries that are applying the tax. Yeah, you know, that it's kind of interesting because as economists, we talk about these things in, in sort of theoretical terms a lot. You know, we talk about the incidents hitting workers or, or customers or so forth. But here are clear cases in which real examples of where these these taxes are being passed forward to, to customers. And so I suppose if you're that small B&B, &B, you know, in the south of France and you're trying to reach your 
Swedish customers who come down over the summer, you're going to pay a higher tax for advertising on these platforms because of the DST. Is that how I should understand it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, kind of surprising to see some of the public reaction to these announcements as if uh, the companies are, are doing something wrong or as if the government wasn't tight enough with its guidance on who actually pays. And the economic reality is that these costs can be shifted. Yeah. And so politicians are always like, hey, we're going to tax those big guys. And then, uh, in fact, they, they end up taxing their own citizens. And, you know, I mentioned in the introduction that um, governments from Annapolis to Paris are considering uh, DSTs. And, and and maybe you could talk about the proliferation, I guess, uh, is the right word. How many, who, which countries are considering it? Um, and are there differences in the way that they're implementing these things? What should we know about that? Yeah, so there are a lot of differences and a lot of countries are taking up these policies. And I, I think it's worth noting that this is a really new phenomenon, Scott. Like, we didn't talk about digital services taxes um, until maybe three or four years ago. That's like light speed in tax policy, where you move from something that's theoretical uh, to actual policy on the ground in multiple countries. There are currently eight countries in Europe that have a digital services tax on the book and another six that have announced or proposed one. Uh, there's a variant of the digital services tax in India. They call it the equalization levy. Kenya has considered one. There's a model proposal for a digital services tax that was published by the African Tax Administrator Forum, sort of uh, an advisory body uh, to African uh, uh, finance ministers. And then closer to home, uh, there's been some consideration of a DST up in Canada. And like I said, the policies can vary pretty widely. I'd say the narrowest approach is like what Austria has done uh, with a tax just on digital advertising. Uh, but the Indian equalization levy is definitely the broadest, uh, applying essentially to all goods and services provided over the in internet by non-Indian companies. So if you're not an Indian company or you're a not, you don't have physical presence in India and you provide goods or services over the internet, you might get hit by the equalization levy. Mm. Uh, as far as uh, Annapolis is concerned, like you mentioned, uh, the, the Maryland legislature passed a digital services tax last year, but it was vetoed by Governor Hogan. But that proposal is going to come right back around this spring with the new legislative session. Uh, and there were also proposals from Nebraska and New York. Uh, the proposals in the U.S. are on tricky ground, however, uh, since there are both constitutional concerns and federal law that will likely stand in the way of states actually implementing this approach. Um, but that sort of court battle could uh, could take a little while to play out. Well, I would encourage our listeners to come to our website at taxfoundation.org and, and read some of the work that our colleague uh, Jared Walzak has written analyzing those proposals. And I'll, I'll be honest and, and kind of you know, sending some kudos Jared's way. His his work on the on the um, the Maryland DST I think was influential in the governor's uh, decision to veto that bill. Uh, the case that that Jared made on why this was going to be a harmful for the Maryland economy I think played a role in that. This has also played into larger trade policy. I guess I mean the U.S. has got a in the midst of a spat with France uh, because of their DST. I guess we've, we were going to apply 
tariffs on their goods in response, but that's been held in check uh, most recently. The Biden administration uh, will be coming in facing a very, very contentious global debate over these issues. What what can we expect from the Biden administration on this issue? They seem to have been fairly quiet about it. Yeah, they, they have been, but I don't think they will be able to stay quiet on it for long. Um, when it comes to countries, particularly in Europe, talking about regulating or taxing uh, large tech companies, policymakers in the U.S., their ears perk up because what they hear is, is sometimes outright protectionist kind of policies targeted at U.S. tech companies. And obviously, other companies um, in other countries might be targeted by digital services taxes. Uh, but again, policymakers in the U.S. feel like it's uh, U.S. tech companies that have the main target on their, their backs. So when France adopted its digital services tax, uh, the U.S. did, again, see it as targeting American companies and threatened to retaliate with tariffs. Uh, the U.S. Trade Representative published a report calling the tax discriminatory and published a list of goods like fancy handbags and cos- cosmetic goods that it said the U.S. would impose 25 percent tariffs on. Well, like you said, Scott, um, those tariffs um, were supposed to go into effect, actually were supposed to go into effect on January 6th, um, but they were suspended rather than going to a, into effect. The, the U.S. Trade Representative points to the potential for future action in response, not only to France, but other countries, kind of a coordinated approach rather than just hitting one country at a time with tariffs. There aren't many more days in the Trump administration. Uh, so this is going to be a, a Biden administration issue going forward, you know, particularly after after the inauguration. And I expect uh, the Biden administration will take a more diplomatic approach to this rather than just doing a tit for tat kind of trade war. Uh, but that said, you know, there's bipartisan opposition to digital services taxes in Congress. So the Biden administration will need to show that it's engaged and not just sitting back. Well, there's implications, I would guess, for the U.S. tax base to some degree. And, you know, I, the OECD has a huge project on taxing the digital economy, and, and we can save the details of that for another podcast. But, you know, how is that project going? Uh, what are the implications for the U.S. Treasury, the tax base, and and U.S. companies? So I think the tax base question is is really interesting because there's a difference between digital services taxes and what's being talked about at the OECD. But you're right this this is a it's a big project. Um, for digital services taxes, country, companies got news last fall that they would not receive foreign tax credits for digital services taxes paid, um, which is a pretty big deal. Um, that's a big deal. Yeah. That, that means they're going to face tax, you know, double taxation is the is the term that that, that we use in cross border tax, and that's that's a huge burden. The OECD project uh, is really complicated. The goal is essentially to rewrite rules for taxing the digital economy in a way that more than 130 countries can agree to and implement. Um, So a huge project. Rather than having uh, a tax and trade war over digital services taxes, the OECD would prefer to get a new set of rules that would lead to a sort of truce. Uh, and, And the proposals would have companies pay more taxes where their customers are, even if they don't have what, like what we were talking about earlier, like if they don't have physical presence, they might have to pay uh, more where their customers are. Uh, And it's a bit 
like what's behind the intent of digital services taxes. Uh, and there, there's also a global minimum tax on large corporations that's that's being considered. Uh, the negotiation process has been slow going, especially throughout the pandemic. It's, it's really tough to work out a complex agreement over video calls. <laughs> but there seems to be some hope that the Biden administration could bring some fresh momentum to get an agreement. And several folks, in, including leadership at the OECD, have said that the U.S. needs to step up and provide leadership. Now, back to your question about the U.S. tax base, the implications for the U.S. are pretty large, not just from the tax base, but because this will have implications for U.S. companies. U.S. companies will likely have much higher tax compliance burdens, uh, even if their tax bills don't necessarily increase that much overall. It's just a really complicated template that the OECD is putting together. And second, the U.S. could be a revenue loser when the dust settles. Someone involved in the negotiations told the Wall Street Journal uh, that the U.S. could lose around $5 billion per year from the, the approach. Now, that's a decent sum of money, and it's a lot more than some countries are actually collecting or expecting to collect from their digital services taxes. Uh, so that really doesn't make the politics around the OECD project any easier but it will require the Biden administration leaning in to be able to get to some sort of deal. I, I was talking to um, someone else uh, this morning who's kind of in our field and, and uh, in another think tank and a very, very thoughtful economist. And his worry was that the Biden administration in their efforts to be more globally friendly uh, with a lot of the rebuilding relationships with these organizations could end up getting rolled in the process by being too friendly and too accommodating and as a result, uh, get steamrolled by these these international organizations, whether it's the OECD or the European Union or even the, you know the the UN for that matter, which has its own project on digital taxation. So I guess that is a a, a real concern. And the implications for the U.S. tax base and the Treasury are, are quite serious and something that's going to have to be considered throughout the debate. Right. I, I think that's something to to pay attention to. The shift from the current administration's approach, or I guess their poor view of multilateralism, uh, I, I expect we're going to see the opposite from the Biden administration. But like you said, shifting from not caring uh, about multilateralism as much to really caring about it, you still have to consider whether whether U.S. interests will be taken care of. Well, uh, I, we should probably end on uh, asking you what you're going to do about it. <laughs> what is the Tax Foundation going to do about or what, what is our work going to be uh, about? Uh, going forward into 2021 on DSTs? How are you approaching it, thinking about it? And what do we want people to take away from this uh, this podcast? Well, the, the OECD project is certainly something I'll be following closely. Uh, you know, U.S. states will likely pick up where they left off last year, figuring out ways to tax digital services. I expect more countries around the world will follow the example of the countries that already have a DSD. Uh, and the European Union is expected to put together a, a digital levy proposal, but I, I really doubt that will become law anytime soon since EU countries would need to support it unanimously. So really, you know, my work is to analyze these proposals as they come out, point out where they're flawed. Um, and for most digital services tax, they're pretty flawed because they're they're just designed in a way that's not neutral, 
um, that's pretty distortionary and makes it really hard for these businesses to comply. Uh, and and I think you know my my guess for uh, 2021 prediction generally is that digital taxation will be pretty work pretty busy work for me. Just making sure that I'm staying abreast of the the different negotiations. Uh, and the different policies out there. It's really important for countries to take a step back and think about what sort of impact these policies can have. And that's a message that I hope um, will get out there uh, more and more. There's a lot of political momentum to just tax the digital economy or tax um, certain uh, digital giants. And that political momentum can lead to poor policy results. It's rare that if you have a problem that you're trying to solve, that designing a new tax will fix it. It's much better to rely on, uh, you know, good principles of sound tax policy uh, and those three main uh, tax policies that you were talking about earlier, Scott, income, property uh, and sales taxes, uh, rather than designing something new out of the blue that uh, could have you know, some serious unintended consequences. Well, this is certainly the sleeper issue of 2021 for sure. And, and Daniel, thanks for being with me and uh, thanks for dogging this issue. And we look forward to the work that you and your colleagues are going to do on it. Again, uh, thanks for, uh, for joining us. Uh, for those of you in the audience, I'm Scott Hodge, president of the Tax Foundation. Thanks to him joining us for another episode of The Deduction. Uh, we'll be back with other issues and uh, going forward throughout 2021. We have quite a schedule of very, very interesting podcasts set for the next uh, few months. So continue to tune in. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your interest uh, in these issues and the work of the Tax Foundation. So again, we'll see you next time. Be safe and be well. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of The Deduction. We'd love to hear what you think about this podcast please let us know at taxfoundation.org slash podcast.